Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to the Church of the Palms and welcome to the Sunday before Thanksgiving. My name is Brian Berman and I'm a member of the TV ministry crew. I help people look good and sound good as well. <laughs> this is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Eternal God, you set Jesus Christ to rule all, over all things and made us servants in your kingdom. By your spirit, empower us to love the unloved and to minister to all in need. Then at the last, bring us to your eternal realm where we may worship and adore you and be welcomed into your everlasting joy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever, amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God. Thank you.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your works. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. Let us worship God. Christians in other parts of the world are persecuted and some are martyred for their faith. What a great privilege it is for us here at Church of the Palms in beautiful Sarasota, Florida, 
to be able to gather together to praise and worship God freely today. It is also an awesome responsibility for us, for to whom much is given, much is expected. Yet we all fall short in many ways. I do, you do. So let us hasten to the throne of grace and confess our sins to our Heavenly Father who waits for us with open arms. Let us pray. Righteous God, you have crowned Jesus Christ as Lord of all. We confess that we have not bowed before him and are slow to acknowledge his rule. We give allegiance to the powers of this world and fail to be governed by justice and love. In your mercy, forgive us. Raise us to acclaim him as ruler of all, that we may be loyal ambassadors, obeying the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. My friends, hear the good news. God, who loves us with an everlasting love, did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. Everyone who repents of their sins and trusts in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord receives forgiveness and mercy. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. now boldly state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now in Christian love, let us turn and greet our neighbors, especially the ones that you don't know yet.
Good morning. We are so glad that you dodged the raindrops to get to be with us this morning. Thankful for a little liquid sunshine to nourish our earth, that we can see the earth bear fruit as we prepare for our Thanksgiving celebrations coming up this week. We hope that you will find the friendship pads in your pews and pass those along to your neighbors. And we encourage you as always, not only to put your name down, to make sure you give us your email address so that we can be in contact with you throughout the course of the week. Even if you're a visitor with us today, would like to learn more about life here at Church of the Palms, then give us that email and we will be glad to be communicating with you and updating you on life here at this good church. We've had a great weekend. We had a wedding here yesterday. We had uh, middle school students scavenging throughout the community on a scavenger hunt and a retreat this weekend and we had a homeless sleepover that was supposed to be outside <laughs> but it was inside and uh, so the kids were able to experience some of the issues around homelessness over the course of this weekend so lots of things going on always here in the life of our church and many things to come a couple things to bring to your attention we have our blood drive which uh, the blood mobile will be right outside in the parking lot and we invite you to uh, perhaps take a moment to give this precious gift to those who perhaps right, right now don't know they'll, they'll need it, but will need it very shortly. And uh, we are grateful that we'll have the chance to provide that precious gift. So take a look for that. This coming Wednesday evening, we continue in our tradition of a joint Thanksgiving Eve service with our dear friends at Temple Sinai. We will be uh, traveling over there and enjoying worship with them at Temple Sinai, and uh, we'll have a little time of reception beforehand at five o'clock, and then the service at 6 p.m., and uh, we will be uh, sharing worship for the last time with Rabbi Hunting, who will be retiring this year, and so those of you who know Jeff uh, will perhaps want to make sure that you're there to wish him well as he prepares for a new chapter in his life. So join us this Wednesday evening. Messiah is coming up, uh, the Messiah concert is coming up on December the 5th, Saturday, December the 5th at 4 p.m. here in the sanctuary. We are so blessed to be able to have uh, this wonderful opportunity to worship and to listen to the beautiful, beautiful music of the Sarasota Choral Society led by Genevieve. And uh, where are you? There you are over there. Um, but uh, you'll want to make sure to get a ticket and tickets are available in the church office and uh, join us on the 5th of December for the Messiah concert. Advent devotionals, it's yes, we are a week away from Advent and we wanna make sure that you're prepared for that. So we'll be making the Advent devotionals available for you as you make your way out of the sanctuary today and uh, prepare yourself to take that journey with us beginning next Sunday, which is the first Sunday of Advent. One of the very important missions in our church is the food pantry and right around this time we highlight that ministry and we're grateful to have Dr. Hedgepeth to share with us a little bit about the food pantry. You know, in this uh, season of Thanksgiving, we reflect on those things that we are most grateful for. And one of the things I am most grateful for about this church family is the ministry of our food pantry. In, in case you're not aware, we are open every day, Monday to Friday, from 10 to 4, serving people in our community who are in need of food. And every year, including this year, for the past eight years, we have served between 20 and 30,000 people a year. 
It is one of the most amazing ministries I have ever come across. And the way it happens is for each of those uh, days, Monday to Friday from 10 to 4, we have volunteers serving in the distribution center, working with our clients, uh, handing them the food that we have prepared. Every day, Monday to Friday, we have teams of volunteers in the East Meeting Room packing the food into the bags that will be distributed to the clients. Every week, we have teams of volunteers that go out to various farmers markets in the community and to All Faith Food Bank to pick up fresh produce so that we can enhance the nutritional value of what we provide to our clients through the food pantry. Every week, we have volunteers who go to Panera Bread to pick up bread that we might provide physical bread to enhance the life of those that we serve. And every year, generous people like you make all of this happen by participating in the food pantry offering. It is one of the most amazing ministries I've ever seen, and I am grateful to God for it. I am grateful to you for your generosity. So we have been providing this bread to people for all of these years, but we have dreamed of, of how to enhance our food pantry ministry by also caring for our clients' spiritual needs. You know, Jesus said in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, I am the bread of life. And so we've been wondering how might we make the bread of life available to our clients to care for them spiritually as we provide bread for their physical needs. And so we're hoping and praying. Our dream is that in the coming year, teaming up with our friends at Bible Mission USA who have translated this Gospel of John that we might make available to our clients the bread of life in addition to bread for their bellies. Because I know personally what can happen when God's Word gets into a home. You know, I grew up in a Christian family, made a profession of faith when I was in elementary school, but then wandered far from that faith in high school and early adulthood. But the summer after my freshman year in college had a situation that sort of rocked my world. And so, because there was a Bible in my home, there was a Bible in my bedroom, I went to God's Word looking for questions to answers about life that I was asking. Because God's Word was there, the Lord drew me back to Himself, a time of recommitment to Jesus Christ. And so this year, when you participate in the food pantry offering by placing your check or, or a cash donation in the food pantry offering envelope, you will be helping to provide not only bread for people's bellies, but also the bread of life. If you're not able to participate today, you can save this food pantry offering envelope for next week by just putting it in the pew rack in front of you so that next week, because I think most of us sit in the same seat every week, is that right? <laughs> so when you're back in that same seat next week, you can use that food pantry envelope to make your gift, to give bread for the belly, to give the bread of life. Thank you for your generosity.
Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, we thank you for your love for us and for your grace that claims and restores us. We thank you for loving all the people of the world in ways that are far beyond our comprehension. In the name of your love, we raise our concern for your children who are suffering from violence and fear. We pray for those caught in the continuing attacks and for those who flee to find new refuge. Comfort and protect and guide them all and we call to us so that you may use us in giving them their aids and your love. We pray for those in the military who are on the front lines to keep us safe. We lift up missionaries and others who risk to give aids, especially those who do so in your holy name. Remind all of us that our help and our hope are to be found in you and in you alone, O God. Help us in all our ministries at Church of the Palms that in our worship, mission outreach, feeding the hungry, nurturing of faith in young and old, compassion and stewardship, we may witness to your grace and generosity. We pray for those here who are ill, lonely, and in need. We pray for those who are getting ready to come home to you and for those who are grieving. We pray that you will enable us to be the healing body of Christ for them. We pray that you will prepare our heart as we begin this Thanksgiving week, as we give thanks for your abundant outpouring of all we need for joy and fullness in life. Grant your mercy of safe travel to all those who are traveling from here and to here, we pray. Now we bring our prayers to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us continue to worship God through the giving of our tithings and offerings.
Let us pray. O oh God, who love us at all times, we give you thanks for the opportunity to live in your generosity each day. We are thankful for the chance to be generous back to you, and we bring these our gifts and offerings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated as the children come forward with Lori for a special time. Thanks, Mingy. So any kids that are here, I need you to come have a seat, please, right in front, because we want to show you something that we did. Right down here, have a seat on the floor, please, so you don't get stepped on. That's perfect. Right over here, so, so, right over. Right down here, Thomas. Thank you, buddy. Have a seat. And as they're coming in, so we had our annual homeless sleepover where fourth and fifth graders get to learn a little bit about homelessness, they get to do a little bit about homelessness, and they get to experience it a little bit by sleeping in cardboard boxes. So we want to tell you a little bit of our story from last night. And are we ready? All right, here we go. 18. Oh, sorry about that. There you go. 18 fourth and fifth graders who participated in the homeless sleepover. One. One person, Al Jeffrey, who got us all of our boxes. One. One bazillion is about the number of raindrops that fell last night. <laughs> Five. Five high school volunteers. Two. We bought presents for two Salvation Army angels. 43. 43 middle school and elementary kids who played Manhattan at 10 o'clock at, um, at night last night. One. One security guard who stayed awake all night to keep us safe. Four. Four adults took the kids to McDonald's and shopped for the Salvation Army Angels. One. Well, there is at least one homeless student in every Sarasota County Schools. 317. 317 known homeless kids in Sarasota County Schools. One. One homeless visitor we gave a cup of coffee to. So what can we do to help? Pray? Pray in addition to praying. Ring. The Salvation Army Bells. Granola. Carry granola and water in the car with us to give away. Money. Bring money for our food pantry. Day of Hope. Participate in Day of Hope. $5 fast food coupons. Carry $5 fast food gift cards to give away. Family Promise. Family Promise. Spend one overnight as a host for our homeless families in Family Promise. Thank you. There are so many things that we can do. One of the biggest things is that we can open our eyes and that we can lead with love and kindness and compassion because no amount of kindness, no matter how small it is, is never, ever wasted. Will you pray with us? Dear God, Open our hearts and eyes to see the homeless among us. Help us to show your love. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, let's go this way.
You may be seated. My apologies in advance for those of you who noticed my sermon title earlier this week in our email and have come looking for help with your golf game. Our reflection today will be instead upon the prophet Isaiah. As we've been mentioning the last couple of weeks, we are in the season of the prophets as we make our way through the great story of God. The prophets who not only speak to Israel in its own time, in its own place, war warning them about what is to come, warning them about their own life in the moment, and also prophesying with great hope about one who is to come. We listen, especially on this Christ the King Sunday, preparing ourselves to begin the Advent season, listening to what the prophets say about the life that the Messiah is yearning for us to live. So hear the word of God as it comes to us from Isaiah chapter five and chapter 11. Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. It will, I will make it a waste, it shall not be pruned or hoed, it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice but saw bloodshed, righteousness, but heard a cry. And then from Isaiah chapter 11, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. But he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. 
This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to this word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name, amen. Something fairly remarkable happened in a golf tournament several years ago. It was a professional golf tournament up in the Orlando area, the Bay Hill Invitational. Several golfers were contending for the lead, including a seasoned pro named Jeff Sluman. On the 17th hole, the second round of the tournament, Sluman hit his ball into the water. This is a shot that I have come to perfect in my own game. <laughs> Several ponds and lakes in Sarasota have my ball sunk into their muddy floors. But it is a rare occurrence for a pro. Nevertheless, Sluman hit his ball into the pond, and the tournament had designated on this hole a drop area for those who had been unfortunate enough to hit their ball into the water. The drop area is an area designated by the officials to place a new ball to continue the hole. Sluman did just that, just as he had been instructed and actually hold his next shot from the drop zone and was able to salvage a par. That left him two behind the leaders. Then came the evening and it was in the quiet of the evening between the second and third rounds that Mr. Sluman played in his mind over and over again the possibility that the area where he had been instructed instructed to place his ball by the officials was in fact incorrect and may have been slightly closer to the hole than where he should have been. And in golf, when a player intentionally or unintentionally places himself or herself at any advantage over another player, these are grounds for disqualification. The next morning after a sleepless night, Mr. Sluman approached the tournament officials and reviewed the previous day's scenarios with them asking their ruling. But while officials were unconvinced that Sluman had done anything wrong, and in fact had actually done the very thing that he had been instructed to do, the golfer already knew in his mind that there was a shadow of a doubt. A shadow of a doubt. And a shadow was enough. He disqualified himself before the rules people could make their judgment. I wasn't sure, said Mr. Sluman. And if I'm not sure, I couldn't live with myself and keep playing. What if, what if I won? It would be a curse. So he called it on himself. Bobby Jones, the great golfing icon of a century ago in a qualifying tournament for the US Open, hit his ball into the woods long before there were TV cameras that actually followed golfers into the woods. <laughs> Jones went in himself, all by himself, and found his ball, and in preparing to swing, the ball moved. Jones emerged out of the woods and called a penalty on himself, a one-stroke penalty that could have determined the outcome of the match. When later he was complimented for his honesty and sportsmanship, Jones replied, you might as well have praised a man for not robbing a bank. He called it on himself. Golf is one of those unique sports that assumes upon those who participate that if they're going to play, they're gonna call it on themselves. 
No player is to be given any unfair advantage that once a player steps onto the course, we all play by the same rules, we all abide by the same rules. You are responsible to call your own foul, no referees to call the penalty, no umpire to call balls and strikes, safes and outs. Everyone polices himself. It's the honor system, and the honor is about the integrity of the game. Golf is not about what you can get away with. Golf is about how you maintain the standard of the game while seeking to excel at what you do. Golf is about conscience. Golf is about calling it on yourself. High school basketball coach Cleveland Stroud and his team from Rockdale County, Georgia, won the state basketball championship in 1987. State high school basketball championship, the thrill of a lifetime for any player, any coach. About a month after being handed the trophy, Stroud discovered that a player on the team who had just played, who had played just 45 seconds the entire season, had been academically ineligible to play. Stroud returned the state trophy and forfeited the title. I called my players together, he said, and I told them that in a few years, people would forget the score, probably forget who, who even won, but they wouldn't forget what you were made of. Strauss' actions earned him the 1987 International Fair Play Trophy, a different trophy, because he called it on himself. Now, the thing about calling it on yourself is that when the rules expect you to call it on yourself, then all you have to appeal to now is your conscience. No referees, no umpires, just your conscience. And your conscience is that part of yourself that lies deep inside your soul. Conscience is the place where you go to try to be honest. Conscience is the place where you go to be honest with yourself so that you can be honest with everybody else. Conscience is when you're lying awake at night at three in the morning and everybody else is asleep and it's just you with your thoughts. It's just you wondering about who really are you and what have you really done and what might you decide to do? At three o'clock in the morning, it's you and your conscience. It's just you left to call it on yourself. Conscience is what Bobby Jones took with him into the woods that day only to see the ball move just a little or what Cleveland Stroud accessed inside himself when he wondered, does 45 seconds really matter? And I suppose conscience is where we go to discover within ourselves the image of God. The Bible tells us that human beings were created in the image of God, the Imago Dei. No other creature in the world bears the image of God, and no other creature, as far as we can tell, bears a conscience. In all of creation, there is no conscience, but in that one species, the human being. Conscience is where we go to discover the Imago Dei, the image of God, and in discovering the image of God, what we discover is that it's in our conscience that we find our freedom. In the deep recesses of our conscience, we find the image of God, and in the image of God, we find our freedom.
Because you see, we are most free, right, when we exercise our conscience. When we act upon what we believe to be the truth, what we believe to be right, Jeff Sluman was most free when he exercised his conscience and disqualified himself. Bobby Jones was most free when he exercised his conscience and called a penalty on himself. Cleveland Stroud was most free when he exercised his conscience and handed back the trophy. Conscience is where God gives us our freedom and where God gives us the dignity to make our own choices to do what we think is the right thing to do and to do what we think is fair. We are most in the image of God when we exercise our conscience. And it's all of this that may help us to understand the prophetic message of Isaiah when he conveys the word of the Lord to the people of Israel. And the word of the Lord to Israel is that God pictures Israel as this wonderful vineyard that he has planted in the midst of the world. God imagines Israel as this vineyard for the world, a, a vineyard of great expectation, a vineyard from which God anticipates great fruit, and God creates the vineyard in freedom, and God offers the vineyard to the people in freedom and says to the people, you can do with this vineyard whatever you want. It's yours ultimately to do with as you please. But then God says, you know, the fruit, the grapes that I'm looking for from this vineyard is justice. In other words, I expect from your life together as a nation, a level playing field. I, I expect from you that none of you will unfairly put yourself ahead. I expect from you that everybody gets a fair shake. I expect you to descend into your conscience and exercise your freedom. I expect from you to live into your amago dei and discern what is right, not just for yourself but what is right for all. Justice is a gift given to us by God that we might freely give it to others. We are most human. We are most in the image of God. We are most free when we seek justice, when we seek justice for everyone on the field. But alas, this is not easy, is it? Justice can be a very hard thing to figure out in a world as confusing as ours and with souls that are as confusing as ours. Makes me think of that sermon I heard a long time ago from an old veteran of the civil rights movement who retold the story, the old story about what happens when people are trying to figure out what is just in the world and what happens when people are trying to figure out what is just in the world is inside them there are these two dogs. There's the good dog and the bad dog and these two dogs inside every human soul, they, they get to fighting and they fight and they fight and they fight. The good dog fights the bad dog. Fight and fight and fight and the question is who's gonna win? And the, and the preacher said that the dog that wins between the good dog and the bad dog is the dog the person feeds. Justice is a hard thing to figure out in a confusing world and a confusing soul, but conscience is the place where we go to have the conversation with God and where we hear from God the question, what dog are you going to feed? 
Conscience is where we go to hear that question asked of us, to be reminded that the fruit that God is looking for is fairness, the fruit of the fair shake. I'm guessing that's a little bit of what Jesus was trying to say when he said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And if anyone forces you to go a mile, go the second mile. And when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was naked, you clothed me. And when I was sick, you visited me, Jesus says. Or when the early church began to gather after Pentecost, Luke tells us that they held all things in common and there was not a needy person among them. Or when Isaiah imagines the Messiah, he says in chapter 11, with righteousness he shall judge the poor and with equity he shall decide for the meek of the earth. Or when the apostle says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In other words, feed the good dog. And it's with all these things that God leaves it up to us, leaves the vineyard to us, like, like the man who was walking down the street and he notices this man in his front yard working in his garden and the man says rather piously to him, oh, that's a beautiful garden you and God have created, to which the gardener responded, thanks, but you should have seen it when God had it all by himself. And of course, that's the wonderful thing, right, about being human. This is this wonderful thing about God giving us these consciences. God invites us into the garden and dignifies our human souls and says that the garden is only as good as we put our own souls into it. Our own conscience, our own freedom. Justice doesn't just happen, it takes hands like ours to get dirty, and we free our hands when we search our souls, when we plumb our consciences and ask ourselves the hard question, what can I do? How can I make the world a fairer place? What, what, what chances can I take to help the poor and, and bring good news to the brokenhearted? Is there anything to call on myself, any twinge of conscience I must address? Any goodness that I can plant into the garden And so perhaps we've wondered about these things in the wake of the most recent terrorism in the world. Beirut, Baghdad, Paris, Mali, with more most certainly to come. These awful, brutal injustices. Innocent people being taken and injured. And to look why the garden looks a mess and we weep and we pray and we lament and we wonder what in heaven's name is the world coming to. And of course, the good Lord asks us in these words of Isaiah the same question, what in heaven's name is the world coming to? And maybe just as an important a question what in heaven's name are you going to do about it? 
We have our elected representatives, of course, to determine foreign policy and appropriate nation-state response, and we can debate those things until we're blue in the face, and we will certainly do that. But in the end, Isaiah wonders with us, what vineyard are you planting? What seeds are we scattering? What shoots are we called to water? What fowls are we to call upon ourselves? What freedom are we called to exercise? For I imagine when those cars and trucks of food pull into our parking lot and are unloaded into our food pantry, and when those volunteers show up and pack those grocery bags early in the morning and those volunteers come early to open the pantry doors and prepare to receive our guests, and when those bags are placed in hands of need with a smile and a blessing, and when those homeless families arrive in a week or so and are given a little shelter for the week ahead in our Sunday school rooms, when those children come to us in the summertime and are given medical exams and backpacks and clothes and shoes to go back to school with, when it dawns upon our conscience to do these things, is this not when we find the image of God, the freedom to be the image of God Terrorism, they say, comes from terrorist cells. Where does goodness come from? Goodness cells? Goodness gardens? We are most ourselves when we act upon our conscience, when the good dog is fed we are most free when we are most just. And the garden is most beautiful when our hands are most dirty. Wasn't it Edmund Burke, the great British statesman, who said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.